let me give you a little background to how we became kind of an outdoor ed school, if you will. About five years ago, it was said to the staff, we are going to invest in outdoor education and being facilitators of that. And so I'm gonna tell you what not to do. That's how I started and what not to do. I am a self-proclaimed indoor girl. And so for me to say I have to go outside a half an hour a week to do something intentional with a class was a little daunting to me. So here was my first stab at it. I'm like, okay, you guys get your pencil and your grammar paper, grab your clipboard, and let's go outside and do our paper. Okay, so there was nothing intentional. It had nothing to do with outdoors. It had to do with the fact that I was checking off a box of getting outside. I didn't really understand what I was supposed to do with this, and I felt like some topics lent itself better to going outside than others. And slowly but surely, as we began to unpack what that was, is where we are landing today. So one of the things that I would encourage you, if you have, whether you have two sections of your grade or someone else in the, the school, partner with them. Because what you see here is a collaboration of talking in the hallway, finding out what other classes are doing and saying, hey, what if we do this part of it and partner with you on this part? And I will say there are some things we're going to share that we do every year regularly and other things that we took pictures of to show you how we, are, we see something and go, let's do that. So I hope that at, for a takeaway today, one of the things that you'll be able to do is take away one, if not two, items to say that this is how you can incorporate your curriculum and extra things intentionally. So one of the first things we do we have, um, oh, I'm jumping ahead. So one of the things we really are trying to do, too, is to connect just the benefits of outdoor education. And so Michaela's going to share some things that we've learned over the course of about three years and how this is really shaping our students in the community. So we just have a few things listed of things that we've seen personally um, and just what research is saying about outdoor education and students who get to in that setting. Um, it's moving, which is so good for your learners who need to move and need to do things to learn. And they're able to have this freedom within different boundaries, and we talk about that a lot, how they should act outside, um, but they still get that space to be creative and move their bodies and use a different part of their brain. Um, we see a lot of cooperative learning outside. We're able to do lots of different projects, lots of different creations, and it really pushes them to work together um, in a different setting, <clears throat> which is really good for them. It's also been really cool to see over the past few years how much better my group of students this year is at this than my group of students when I started teaching. They just get it more because they've had it for several years now and so we've really been able to see how they can grow in that. I see them caring a lot more for the world around them. Just, and it's not even like explicitly necessarily being taught all the time, but when you go outside and you see the benefits of our world, it makes them care a little bit more in their hearts, like what we're doing to the world. So I've seen that a lot too. And being outside is a really real world situation. There's lots of jobs nowadays that involve caring for creation or involve being outside and working outside. So it's good for them to see how they're able to do that in school as well. And then one of the things that we get to do we are very fortunate on our property to have a medium-sized nature center connected to our property. And so one of the things that we do in fifth grade, we call them seasonal sit spots. So we take our students outside fall, winter, and spring, and they sit in the same spot they choose. And I stand here, Ms. Michaela and I would stand in a spot and say, we have to be able to see you and you have to be able to see us. We also take a lot of time to teach them about what poison ivy looks like because we have it there. And I have to say, we may or may not have had a couple kids catch that over the years, but um, we tried. <laughs> so what we do is we just went out, I think last week, yeah. 
It was beautiful out. So we have these little tarps. I don't know if you can see. Mm -hmm. They're just these plastic. We got a big roll of them and we rip them and they each take one outside and they find their spot. And they are given this notebook, which when we inherited this, it was probably twice this size. We said, that it's just not relevant. Let's streamline this. So each student gets this notebook. And they come with this pencil pouch. They're given a magnifying glass. They are given, and they really love having ownership of this. They're also given these two paint samples that have kind of naturey names on there, molasses, hot chocolate. That's not naturey. That's just good. <laughs> and um, pear, cactus, moss ring. And they're using these to also identify some of the colors around them. And all I did was go and grab a whole bunch from Home Depot. And then they have this packet. So everybody has one of these. So they have a packet. The first section is, again, we talk about identifying poison ivy, and we learn really what that's like. But then we get into seasonal things. Some of them are very similar. So we use our senses. What do you see? What do you hear? We want them to dig into the dirt. We want them to listen to things. We ask them to estimate the temperature. I have to get the math piece in there. So before we start, we will give them points of reference. You know what the temperature is at water boils. You know what the temperature is that it freezes. You know what your body temperature is. You know these things. Now estimate. And you know what? A lot of times they're within five degrees. It's very impressive. So if you use tools that they know. So we ask them, what, what is the weather out? What's the lighting of the sun? so they can begin to incorporate this. And you know, it's very, very important. We preface this by also saying the Bible is very clear that says we need to be still and know. And you know, we take them out there, and even the chattiest classes, it's silent. It's just a beautiful opportunity. We want them to find bugs. We want them to try to identify them. We ask them to draw a sketch from where they're sitting and what they see out here. Because guess what? The next time they go, it's going to look different. So we do this. That We ask them to get out their magnifying glasses. And we do this for every season. Then we take it inside. And I have, we have a mystery bag of items inside. We love to kind of spook them a little bit, too, when they reach in and just feel. And you know you grab the bot. That's like good teacher fun right there. So it's like pine cones, and it's feathers, and it's rocks, and it's shells, and it's a bone. And they have to feel it and write adjectives. So we've got the grammar piece in there, too. We do this every season. We use vocabulary. Look how beautiful that looks out there. And you know what? They need to come dressed. We're out there for a good half hour to 40 minutes. And the whole thing start to finish is probably 45 minutes to an hour. And sometimes we have to break it up. We go, so we, how is your winter sit spot different than your fall one? Draw the changes you observe. We do vocab for every season. Foliage is, would be for fall. Mystery item, feel and draw. And then at the end, for those who finish early, we always have a seasonal word search. We do topographical maps with keys. And so then they also get into uh, dictionaryforkids.com and they look up the words. And it's really fun. We make it a, a thing. So here's our spring. And then by the end, we hope that they learn phonology, which is the study of seasonal changes that occur in the environment and its effect on plants and animals. And kids are so good at being able to go, yeah, I remember when I sat for fall, I had to push all the leaves. Or I had to try to remember where my winter one was. We also have a vernal pond that's hit or miss. It could be full and you get wood ducks, or it could be empty and you're just looking at some dry ground. So it's just something to. So this is something we do every year for fifth grade. We, and we're always trying to fine tune. So we're really working on for the next year to incorporate a little bit more reflective journaling in that. As again, we are always a work in progress. So that's kind of the first thing that we start with getting outside with. Yeah. And I mentioned we have many inclusion students at our school and last year we both had one in our classroom um, and they're able to do this too and experience it in their own way which is really cool and you'll see that we'll talk about then how they fit into this too throughout our presentation but um, it's really for across the boards for all all of our students really awesome so these are some activities that we do in the fall season. Um, the first thing is, in, at the beginning of the year, we talk about spiritual disciplines. 
And we also talk about the Trinity. And we go outside to do this. We have stones that each of the students get to write on and they keep it and they get to look at that. We talk about living stones in our Bible unit. So this is kind of tied into that um, and they're choosing a discipline that they want to see in themselves throughout this year and grow in, into that. We also talk about the Trinity and we use just going outside to do that. So we talk about the Son as God the Father and the rays of light that come down as Jesus because we can, we can see him, he was real. And then we talk about how the sun makes the plants grow, and that's like the Holy Spirit growing in us. So we just kind of take this abstract concept of the Trinity and really try and make them see it and understand it in a, just a, maybe a different way. Um, so that's some Bible that we do outside. So one of our, and we use FOSS curriculum. Has anybody heard of FOSS for science? So that was something we invested in. We're in our third year of that, and we're really starting to see the fruit of it. But one of our units is shadows. And that is so much fun to take outside. And we go out a lot for the shadows. This was a partner activity where they're learning what direction the shadow will be, and then they can use that as a way to tell what time of day it is. And so we talk a lot about this. So they trace their partner, and we go out multiple times that day to retrace them so they get to see the differences in the shadows. They have a lot of fun. And then one of the things we play is shadow games where you, try, you have to try to do shadow tag, and you have to step on their shadow. And then there's times where the, you, have to, you have to put your hand on the shadow head of yeah. your partner, and it's very wait, where's my hand? It's so much fun. So we kind of do that at the end of this unit. But this is in our science. And so it lends itself to heading outside and learning about just the different, where the direction of the sun is going to be. So it's interesting when you do these things and they go out for recess or they're coming into school, they begin to connect and say, I saw this. I saw the sun and this is what time it was. And it's just really neat to watch that connection begin to unfold. So... So for social studies, we learn about Native Americans, and we are partnered with Blanford Nature Center, which is really close to our school, which is an amazing resource for us. But we partner with them, especially for this unit, and we go there and learn about the Anishinaabe who lived in that place and lived where our school probably was. Um, and we're able to see the types of homes that they built and the types of clothing that they wore, the types of weapons that they used, the types of food that they ate. But they're not just learning it, they're really exploring it and <coughs> realizing it for themselves. It's a lot of critical thinking and piecing together for them. But this is a good solid half day or a full day of learning outside. Um, and you can see we go inside for some things, but we really are outside for most of that day because they're experiencing what the people long ago lived like. Yeah, it's one of our favorite units that we start off mm -hmm. with. And, and then one of the things we do, too, is when you partner with a nature center, they provide some teachers, if you will. So then we had, between Michaela, myself, and then our outdoor ed coordinator came, too, and then we break into three small groups. You can see kind of pictures from each of the different ones. They get to throw spears. They get to experience, wear the clothing. That's always good for a laugh. Wow, that, we have to ask for a risk taker to step up on that one. They get to shoot a bow and arrow and see what it's like. We, we sit in a wigwam and experience that. And with then they get to think, what was it like? And so that's a really big unit that Michaela works on. She does the social studies for fifth grade, and I do the math for fifth grade. Mm -hmm. um, this is also goes along with social studies, but while we're learning about the people who came before us, we also learn about how do we know about them, and how do we know how they lived and where they lived and what they used for tools. So we do, we talk about archaeologists and how they look for artifacts and how they use that information to find out more. So we do a archaeological dig in a nature preserve where there are things, not real artifacts, um, 
not historic artifacts in the ground, but they are bringing their gardening um, tools and they're digging together and they're looking at the things that they find there and thinking about what that could be, what it maybe was used for. So just giving them an experience outdoors again that they're able to draw from. That's what a lot of this is. We do this all pretty much at the beginning of the unit that, so that I can talk about, remember when we did this and we can kind of draw from that and they <coughs> remember a lot of things from it. Um, so it's cool to have that common experience with the kids that they're able to connect to. And I think there's been a shift a little bit with using those used to be at the tail end mm -hmm. so you could teach and then experience, but we're discovering flipping it to the beginning gives them a point of reference that the learning looks different now. The learning has something connected to it that's not in a book. They've experienced it. And I will say there are some things that we're going to show you here that we just sort of made up and then we have tweaked it over the times. And that's one thing that Michaela saw somewhere and then said, hey, I want to do an archaeological dig. We got our outdoor ed coordinator. All we have to do is say a word to her, and she's got these ideas that flow. She is a gift to us. So here's something fun. <coughs> you guys, I have had a cough since the beginning of the school year, and I cannot get rid of it. Is anybody else? Oh, my word. will not go away. So I apologize. I'm coughing. So I saw this on one of my Facebook teacher things. I said, oh no, we have to do this. It looks so much fun. So can you grab the sheet? Mm -hmm. So I made a sheet. I just went into kind of the Google Docs and I made a sheet. It's called Sidewalk Scoot. And what we did was we went out and put all sorts of, this was after we were beginning to really do parts of speech. And, I, and Michaela and I went out and we wrote some of the words inside these sidewalk squares and we numbered them. So everyone in our class has a number alphabetically, so one, two, three, all the way to you know, 18, 19, whatever we have. So we go and they line up, and we say go, and in their box, again, this is they have to match up the number they're standing in front of with their box. They have to write the part of speech it is. And I give them 10, 15 seconds and say scoot. They have to scoot to the next one and do it. The very end runs all the way back to square number one, and then they start until they end up at theirs. They love it. They get that kind of that good, oh, I got to get this real quick. We did our inclusion mm -hmm. kids with that too, and we asked for an aide to come out with us. So they would do their version, and we modified that for them to say, write the word you see, and we'll go back and talk about it. So that kind of took a little bit of that pressure off for them. <coughs> The fun thing about this, too, is I use this for math. And we put, I had them roll dice, and whatever two numbers they came up with was going to be the problem they started with. We walked out, they wrote their problem down, and then we did scoot. And then what I did was, I said, now we're going to put a zero on one of those numbers. They panicked. What? I said, oh, no, no, no. So we got a, we got a chance to take just your basic facts, and I kicked it up a notch. And then we did the whole scoot thing. And you should see them run. They run with smiles on their faces. It's good for them to get that energy out. So I'll do, we'll do this um, occasionally throughout the year, but it was really fun. And uh, we did the sidewalk scoot. So I just made a form, no big deal. I put a bunch of boxes on there, and we get our clipboards, and we run outside. And, we, and that was half of a math lesson one day. <laughs> we... Uh, this is a craft and an ELA kind of lesson that we do that just pairs really well with the outdoor. I don't know if you've seen this book before. It's called Leaf Man. But in the book, it talks about Leaf Man, who is floating in the wind and blowing around and seeing different things. And um, the book is awesome because it's created, the pictures are created with different leaves and different parts of nature that you can find. There's turkeys that are created, uh, ducks and birds. So then we read this and talk about, you know, how they put together these pictures um, and all the different types of leaves. And um, then we go out to our nature preserve and look for leaves that they will use in their leaf creations. We have the class this year. The duck. 
And then <clears throat> turkey. Rabbit. Squirrel. 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 That's what it is. <coughs> and funny enough, there's a penguin. So we got to talk about, well, where does Leaf Man have to blow in order to see a penguin? But the penguin didn't survive the drive here. So, sorry. She'll be so sad, though, when she goes back. Yeah. <coughs> and they get so excited it's about this, sweat. don't it's they? So then they, we go out, and they have to have an idea of what they're going to do first. So, they're, it, so it's not randomly, well, let's see. So what do you think you want to do? And we have the class this year that's super, super creative, where sometimes you have to work a little harder to get them to come up with something. Uh, we have some students that want to do more than one, mm -hmm. say absolutely, and then that stays up, and we learn about that. And then they're so excited to share, too, kind of what they do. So... That's just a fall thing we do. Yeah. <coughs> All right. We're paired with buddies at our school, so we have Young Fives buddies. And in the fall, we go out and we do a fall scavenger hunt with them. And we do some literacy reading outside with them. And it's just a simple <laughs> thing, but they're getting to know each other in the context of our nature center and just exploring that together. Um, and we do something again with them in the spring that we'll get to later. Um, but this is kind of our first meeting with them, so. We do tie literature into a lot of these things, too. No matter what actual subject we're on, we tie literature into them, too. Mm -hmm. So this is another one of our units, Phases of the Moon. And when I started teaching this, I became really fascinated at all the different types of, like, extra moons there are. <laughs> Super moon, blue moon, harvest moon. And so one of the things that we have our students do for about four or five nights in a row is to go out and write down what they see for the moon. It's called a night, it's called a night log. And so they go down and they also will write what time they went outside. So we have, you know, we give parents a heads up on this. And the fun thing about it too is sometimes when they come into school, the moon is still out. So they come running in and saying, we just saw the waxing gibbous or the waning gibbous or we saw the third quarter. And so, again, we're making these real-life connections that when they're outside of the classroom, they still are learning without us standing in front of them. Yeah. They're sharing this then at home. Oh, I learned this. And it's just such a neat tool. When you, when you get them outside of right here, it becomes the whole world is their classroom. And that's what we're, we're really working towards. Yes, they get very, very excited <coughs> when they get to see the moon mm -hmm. during the day. So here's some winter activities that we do. This is a huge one. This is like we're outside for a majority of the day for a social studies um, experience and it's very cold so we need to be very prepared. But this is Valley Forge which is something from the Revolutionary War that we learned about Revolutionary War in fifth grade. And I put them into groups. They have to bring some supplies. Um, they go through a lot of different experiences, so we give them a paper that they have to forage for food because that's what the soldiers had to do. And food was scarce there, and so they don't get to eat a lot. Uh, but they have to look for what animals could I, could I have found, what tracks did I see, did I find any scat that lets me know that there's animals in the area and they have to be filling this out. They also, in this picture you can kind of see, they make fire cakes, which is basically just like a pancake kind of, and tea, which they don't like usually. <laughs> but um, if they don't get their fire started and are able to sustain it, then they die at Valley Forge. Um, but then at times we do a roll call and they have to leave their, their things to go train and stand at attention and hear from General Washington and um, really just experience a little bit of what, what the soldiers would have experienced. But um, they are cold by the end of it. But we, then we talk about these soldiers didn't have shoes or coats like you do. So we really kind of start 
to make them understand what it was like. And they write journals um, after, and I ask them to describe like they're a soldier. So some of them say, we, we just have met the man to give us personal training, but so far days are cold and we are always hungry. Um, I have one of few soldiers to survive, as it's been weeks since we have had enough food. The only thing that keeps my spirits up is that we can sing together. <clears throat> so they're really able to put themselves in that time period. Uh, but we also recently added a little twist, which was diseases, because that was a huge part of it. So we'll randomly <laughs> pass out disease cards to them with a picture on the back of what they So frostbite, Ugh, you got frostbite. And I actually had a class a few years ago make these. They researched the disease, and then I use them now, what they made. And so this one says, you got frostbite from being out in the cold without certain clothing. The frostbite is, being, is numbing you. And then there's a picture of it on the back. And it says, find 26 twigs and trade someone a twig for a stick. And that's for them to be cured of their disease. So they have to do something that will hold them up and maybe they'll have to leave their fire um, in order to survive these diseases. So it's an awesome day. Um, yes, yeah. I want to just show when we lined up for mm -hmm. for this, we do that roll call and they have to drop everything. We have parents that are manning the stations mm -hmm. for the fire. They also have to build a shelter and they have to get sticks and they're supposed to bring a tarp to use for some of those. They boil water for the tea, so they have to get clumps of snow. And I mean, it's really as authentic as we can, mm -hmm. but the, the General Washington and Baron von Steuben, we get the middle school social studies teacher to come and be that part. So we are now connecting them to their middle school teachers through this activity. And it is all afternoon. We come in the school smelling like campfire. It's awesome. It is so awesome. And then for Michaela and I, we get to walk around and observe everything. And we have seen campsites where they did not cooperatively learn. They did not survive. One of them wasn't happy about that at all. I had a lame group. Well, we have to now. Maybe. We had to talk about that. How do you do that? How do you survive? So it is such an awesome experience. And here's some of the other. And Michaela heads this up as social studies and does such a great job with it. But... Some of these. Okay, winter. so you know the Winter Olympics was, was it two years ago? Two years ago, right? I'm a huge Olympics fan. So we decided to do, what did we take maybe three weeks to do a whole Olympics unit? And we got them outside. Thank goodness there was snow or it would not have worked. We did STEM activities inside. And we did as many outside things as possible. We we put them into groups that they had to pick a country they were representing. So we, we did activities where they would come in gold, silver, or bronze. We charted their activities. Then we matched them up with the real countries. So we had all these little like ribbons punched out. So we did, we taught them biathlon. So we taught them kind of how to cross-country ski, and then we had targets set up where they would have to throw a snowball at it. So we kind of had to adapt it a little bit. Mm -hmm. We went all the way around. If you hit the target, then you got points for that. And um, it was so much fun. We did a two-man bobsled team. So here's what they did. They did a bobsled. Someone at the bottom had to time them, and they had a trial run. And then they also then said, OK, here we go for the actual competition. Two of our boys got so into it, they became the announcers from England. <laughs> it was hilarious, and I have a couple videos I really wish I would have put in there. But this is, this is two of our activities, mm -hmm. and here's a couple other ones. Mm -hmm. So this was, I don't live far from the school. So my husband and I are out in the dark at night of the school. We are digging out a curling thing, our version of curling. Now these, are, these kids don't know anything about some of these things. So instead, so I, we put the strips there for points, and we used a Frisbee upside down so they could understand kind of how that worked. And then they, they had to kind of do that for their point value. And um, we did another cross-country skiing and saw we got them poles. 
We also asked, do you want to talk about the, asking the gym teacher to do the, the oh, speed yeah. skating? Yeah. They did speed skating. They, so did they use their socks? They use, I think we did paper plates. Or paper plates in the gym, and they would have to speed skate around their track um, <laughs> in order to <laughs> compete in that, in that um, event. But we did a lot of research about the Olympics mm -hmm. because it's so historical. So lots of articles about it and learning about um, how it started and all of that different information that goes along with it. So while it was really fun and we were getting outside and experiencing things, they were also learning about something that is a part of our world and is important for them to have some knowledge about. Mm -hmm. So hopefully in a few years we'll get to, to we'll do, do this it again. again. It was so. a, it, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't. But when you see the benefit of it, they worth every second. Yeah. Oh, we also did, we also gave medals. Oh, yeah. So we bought candy bars, Hershey Gold, and I think we did Twix, Twix for bronze and, and maybe like three musketeers. three musketeers for silver. And we put like yarn for necklaces and we made podiums. We asked a gym teacher to do different levels and we had flags. And then when we started it, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> We had torches oh, and yeah. played the Olympic theme the day that we started in the hallway. The kids are like, what is, what, who are they? What? We had the best time, but we just made it so all kind of encompassing. It was yeah. a lot of fun. That was so great. It was a good time. Um, another part of our science is learning about um, plants, and one of them is the sugar bush, which is maple trees, but um, we go to Blanford for this activity as well. But something we do in the classroom is we ask them to create a before model of how they think maple syrup is made. So this was their before model, and then the sticky notes are peer feedback. So they went around and looked at everyone's model and said, I like that you did this, but I don't know if this is right um, kind of idea. And then after we went to Blanford, because um, they have a, they do maple sugar bush um, and they create it there which is really awesome for us to be able to see how they tap the tree and they each got a chance to try and tap like a dead tree um, they get to see how they collect it they get to go into the sugar house where they make it they got to carry the pails like they did historically um, and we go into their indoor wet lab and they look at the actual parts of the tree that make this all happen. So then after we've experienced and learned all of this, they come back and we make a, a post model with the correct information and then we can kind of compare how close they were, what did you learn, what were you right about, um, but they're again able to connect it to something that they actually experienced, which just makes it so much more meaningful for them. Mm -hmm. Helps it stick a little bit more. I think one of the neat things we learned on that is when you ask them what they think they know, and then when they find out some of their information was correct, that's a huge mm -hmm. teaching moment. They get so excited, and they say, oh, I really always thought that. And then they are able to kind of self-correct through their learning. And that's something that I think we're, we're really incorporating a little bit more when we start something, is tell us what you, tell us what you know. And then we get to either build on that, we get to, throughout the, t throughout the lesson, self-correct on some of those things. Um, and it's just been a, that was a really cool exp experience. We also have trees on our property that we tap. Oh, yeah. do, does anyone else have, do, do you get to tap anything on your property? Do you have maple trees? No? Okay, so we also will partner with the young nature-based who tap. <clears throat> and then we get to sort of keep track of some. We're working on the mathematical part of keeping track track of the sap. We tried three yet. times to do that. We tried three times, yeah. Maybe this year. Um, so some spring <laughs> activities. Okay, this, this we have a school garden, and it's a pretty big area on one of the sides of our school. And in math, I was studying area and perimeter, and when you have a box on a piece of paper, it's just very, here's a box on a piece of paper. And I thought, well, this is a life skill, really? There's a lot of kids sitting in your classrooms that are going to be in the trades that need those skills. So we go out to the garden, again, with, with the outdoor ed coordinator. We have three groups. One of their jobs is, 
I said, farmers do not go outside with a yardstick. What do you think they could use to measure? So we figure out, first of all, God is very, very intentional. Our bodies are natural measuring tools. And so we began to figure out what we could use to estimate the area and the perimeter of this garden area. Then we actually did go back and measure. And I'll tell you, strengthening that skill, most were within, within the right answer. So we did area perimeter, one unit, one station. Another station, Janet is our coordinator, threw out all these bean catalogs. I did not know there was more than like green beans and lima beans. And there are beans that I have never heard of. Neither have the kids. Well, we give them a budget now. We'll say, you have $10 to spend on seeds. You need to get the most and what you can reap for the when people will buy them. So I have one group. Most of them do it individually. They say, okay, this packet I could get for $4.50, and it's got 200 seeds. So do you see how they're kind of thinking even in that, that fiscal way? Well, I had one group last year. They said, hey, what if we combine all our money and we buy as many? I mean, I've never had a group do that. That's just forward thinking. I loved it. So they're, sh they're shopping then the next group gets to go, and Janet says, I, you're going to plant the seeds, and they have to be two inches apart, the holes. So then they are digging the holes two inches apart without a ruler. They have to figure out what two inches is, and we had some supplies out there to kind of give them that visual. And then they go, and they have this reflective time, too, about how that worked. And we have a form that we just made. We said, here's what we want them to accomplish, so let's come up with a form. So then they actually planted the beans for the garden. Yeah, and they planted the beans. And then they get to reap kind of that harvest. Mm -hmm. um, we also have gone out in the garden to do descriptive writing. So there's lots of things for them to be able to pull adjectives with there. So it's just a good way for them to just create even short sentences about what they're seeing and feeling and touching. Um, I haven't done tasting, but that's an option yeah. in the garden. So just getting them to be able to feel and create things is a little easier for them when they can actually feel it. So, um, And then we've also done a, gra a grammar scavenger hunt, which I, I just made a form for. And it just talks about um, nouns and verbs and adjectives that they see. And I give them a list of things to find. And just picking out different things that they're hearing or feeling. And then creating a short story or a poem with what they saw out in the nature preserve. And we actually did this on National or World's Outdoor Classroom Day, mm -hmm. um, where we tried to stay outside for most of the day. So this was just one of the activities that we did on that particular outdoor classroom day. And I so. think. When she took this group, mm -hmm. I, that's when I was doing sidewalk scoot. So we also partner with that, and you take, she'll take her class, and I had mine, and then we switch. Mm -hmm. So that was yeah. how we work that. <clears throat> so this is predator versus prey. One of our science units is about <laughs> chains and food webs and ecosystems and how they uh, interact with one another. So we, at the end, after we've learned um, about predators and preys, we assign them, are they a carnivore, an omnivore, or an herbivore? And then, like, your biggest ones are the predators, and then there's kind of a middle ground. Um, and we brainstorm what those would be in our nature preserve, because we're like, okay, what's a predator? Like a lion. We're like, okay, well, they don't yeah. live here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, like, what here could you be? And we're like, a bear. We're like, well, have you seen a bear here? No, probably not. So, again, just thinking about that kind of thing. Um, and then the prey, and there's the, or the, yeah, there's the most of them, but then they get colors on their faces for what they are. And then we have these filling stations where they have to get food and water. So the you can see the picture there with the kids with their hands, but the white is water, the um, brown is food, and then the black, we don't tell them what the black is. So some of them are like, what, what is this? We're like, oh, it's food. And some of them don't even notice, but it's contaminated food or water. 
to kind of pull in that piece of, right now our animals do take in contaminated food and water. And so if you have that, then you probably are sick or you didn't make it. Um, and to see how many of them kind of are like, oh man, I had enough though. And they're supposed to get a certain amount of beans to survive and to have enough energy to run around. So we tie in a lot of what we've learned, but then also that piece of our care for creation is impacting the, the wildlife here. And it truly is. So we have to think about that and kind of incorporate that into, into this game. But it's very fun. fun. We're running around. And it's really fun. At the top, you can see those are the top predators because they're snarling There's at the camera. Of them. Yeah. And then I don't know if you can tell, but we do put <laughs> marks with a just a washable marker right on their cheeks to identify what level they are at. Mm -hmm. We also know that our outdoor ed coordinator does this game with other grade levels at different versions. One is more simplified, like the turkey has to protect her nest, and then the eggs would be some of those beans, and so they do a version of that. So there's always that building on each other. So by the time they get to us at fifth grade, they have A, an understanding of the game itself, and B, kind of what they have to do, but each one takes it to another level. And this is a this is a really fun. We probably are out there for a good half an hour. They are running full speed, full out, um, and it's just really neat to see them. And then they get to talk about what they collected at the end. So it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I the only way I could do this was I just sort of scanned my form. We towards the end of the school year do outdoor math day, and so then we combine both the math classes, put them into groups of three or four. We list all the materials they're going to need. I'll just read a little bit. Sorry, that's the best I could do on this piece of string, which we have cut to a certain length. Rulers, yardsticks, paper, pencil, clipboard, basketball, and M&Ms for estimating. So all the things I'm teaching throughout the year culminates into this outdoor math. So we ask them, and they can go at any, so we're kind of positioned at, they can use the entire outdoor surroundings of the school. So we ask them to measure the length and width of one set of the double doors, minus the trim. They have to find the area of a parking space in feet and inches. They have to find the circumference of five different trees. They have to estimate how many sidewalk rectangles, find examples of circles, rectangles, all the geometry shapes outside. We have a playground where they get to use, it's very full of all sorts of different shapes different types of measurements. Measure any three things you want. Count the cars in the south parking lot. Now we have directions. How many tires are there total? They shoot 10 baskets only. And this is an activity I did with them earlier to teach them fractions, decimals, and percents. We do outdoor basketball math. And so then they re revisit this. How many hours and minutes from right now till summer vacation? They, they like to spend time on that one. They want to know. Estimate the number of M&Ms in the jar. The closest guest gets to keep them. Make sure you don't, this is, that, that one's an individual. And boy, when they get that jar, it is like the best thing ever. And this, we spend probably at least an hour outside. And we, the two of us walk around and the, hear the math dialogue is worth it right there to watch the cooperative learning. Again, we have our inclusion kids and we had one of the aides take this paper, we modified it, and they were walking around doing some of these stations as well. So it's a really fun kind of at the last two weeks of school where it's a culmination of what we've learned and then we go through that together. It's fun. So this is kind of the other outdoor buddy activity that we do. We, the preschoolers are learning about signs of spring and what it means and what to look for. And so our students kind of come alongside them and help them figure out what to look for. So we're listening for spring peepers and different types of frogs that are in our nature preserve and learning about the sounds that they make and talking about buds and what those mean. So just all of that information that our students can understand, but then we come alongside the young fives when they're learning it and helping them discover different things. So doghouse math. Have you guys done any PBL or been kind of aware of project-based learning? And we went through a big training, 
And I said, I'm, we are big advocates for STEM. We do STEM regularly in our classroom. We've seen, we started STEM because we had a class we didn't know what to do with. So they're just outside of the box thinkers. They are not traditional. What do we do with them? So we started STEM and we just really became very passionate about it. So I had this STEM activity I wanted to do for math, but I made it into more of a PBL. And I really didn't know what I was doing. I'll just be honest with you. I had the outline, but I didn't really know what to do. So I took a big, I just said the last two weeks of school, I'm just taking a risk, I'm going for it. We had some teachers who went to the training here at this last year. And so I gave them my outline. I said, what am I missing? What do I need? I need this kind of question. We need an expert. So we did dog houses. I had specific information, specific things they needed to build according to the size. Here are your tools. We researched what builders would need. I had a dad who has a construction company of one of the students come in and be our expert. They had to have pre-written questions down to ask him. They, had, they asked things that I could have never even told them to ask. <coughs> so we had all sorts of, do you see this one? They decided to put shingles. So they cut black squares. And they all had to have a roof. They added, then I said, one of the additional things is you have to do a creative piece. And what that it looks like for each of you is different. Some decided to do a dog pillow where they took construction paper. They said, can we have cotton? Absolutely. Stapled it together. Some did a back door. Some did an opening on the roof. Then we have our outdoor ed coordinator bring her dog, and they did not know this. We went outside, and we put them out there. So here's the welcome mat on this one. So their dog, her dog, which was the size I used, and they didn't know, see which house the dog naturally went to gravitate to. And all oh, the delight when it went in, and the sadness when it just walked on by. <laughs> and so they had, they were all set up. And you know what else was fun about that? We stimulated interest from other grade levels. They said, what are you guys doing? What is this? And we had a chance to sort of prime the pump, if you will, for the upcoming fifth graders. So we took this, and so we had this outdoor thing, and it was, yes, a lot of the building was inside, but this is a real-life skill that we're trying to teach them how to measure. Measure twice, cut once. That's a rule of builders. And so I'd hear them going, oh, measure twice, cut once. Now we have to cut again. <laughs> Learning, a learning curve. So this was a, I, I took a risk because I honestly wasn't 100% sure what I was doing and it paid off and we had a great time with that. Yeah. Um, so every year at the end of the year we go to Hoffmaster State Park for like our class trip. And up until last year it was pretty much like we go to the state park, we're there, we walk around, we don't really like do that much necessarily so we were like we should tie in some of like what we're learning and still make it fun but we're outside the whole time so we should make this a little more meaningful um, so one thing that we kept that we always had done was sandcastle creations just that cooperative learning they had to plan with a group and then um, create with a group and then we award a winner that we decide on um, but then the part that we added was a beach cleanup and looking at the ecosystems um, of the beach. So the, the beach here was very dirty. So we picked up a lot of trash and we talked about how long plastic takes to break down. And we showed them um, information about that. And how does this stuff affect this ecosystem? And we talked about that. Uh, and they were they were concerned. So it was it was good for us to to pick up and clean up our area. But then we created this form that asked them to go out in their groups and create a food chain of the dunes. What's the producer? What's the primary consumer? The secondary level consumer and the top consumer? Who is the decomposers here? Um, create a food web with what you know lives here and what you see around here. And then we talked about why is dune protection important, which just is a huge issue in Michigan right now. So we were able to talk about that. Then we asked them to draw dune grass with their root system, because you know you can go up and see that really well. Um, we asked them to label the vascular bundles that they could see um, from that plant. Label where the sugar in this plant comes from, and where does the water come from. So really looking at what we already knew, 
but now putting it in a different setting and doing it actively outside in a place that they live. So just kind of also sparking that, like they need to care about this place and they need to protect it for a future. So that was a cool project for them to do. Yeah, that is our end of the year activity. So we're there most of the day. Mm -hmm. So we were discovering that we could do a lot more with, than just playing in the sand and running up the dunes. Um, so we decided, and really we just, this was through a conversation and looking at our curriculum, we said, why not, why don't we do a, one of the ecosystems and, and really have them connect. And so, yeah, Michaela whips up a form. I find a poster. We have that moment there. And they really, they really got into it. Julie, you were there with us last year with your son. Mm -hmm. They really got into it. And the, co the, the cooperative learning for the Sandcastle projects, <gasps> we, we walk around and judge. And they are very creative. And some are, they just really tried. They just really tried. They have to bring stuff from home. And it's just, yeah, it, it's a great way to end the year. It's good. And then we just listed a few other things that we do that we didn't necessarily have um, photographs of or um, things like that. But we... Did a birdhouse yeah. stem? We had a stem was that cool. was for the winter. We had them, it was make just make a birdhouse. That's what the stem was. And we thought, well, let's take that a little further. So we had them research what birds stay in Michigan for the winter, and then what would they eat. So once they researched that, and again, I just typed up a form. I said, here's the information I want you to find. We found some websites that would be appropriate for them to look up. They looked up that information. And then through the course of a conversation, we find out nature-based, which is four-year-olds, were tallying the birds at their bird feeders. We said, well, can we combine what we're doing with what you're doing? Can you use our bird feeders and you still tally? And then we can combine our information together because we researched what certain birds stay. And if there was an outlier there, we'd like to know what that was. So it was just neat through the course of conversation, we partnered with nature-based. We took them out and with them, hung them somewhere strategic. They were tallying because they're outside all day. So they tallied for us and we came back and added that information. So oh, we're out of time. So those were the extra things. So thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> if you would like any more information or um, even have a glance at some of the forms we just made, there's our information. And we do want to just see if anybody has any questions that you about anything that we did. I hope this was helpful that you can maybe take a couple things and get your kids outside. Okay, well thanks. thanks. Enjoy the rest of your conference. <laughs>